So Matthew chapter number 14 today, and uh, we've been talking about uh, uh, the call of Jesus on the disciples and the example that he has been giving them, both in his teaching uh, through the Sermon on the Mount, the heart of a disciple, through his example, his ministry of, of caring for people, of working with people, uh, showing them the heart of a disciple. And then last week we started looking at where Jesus begins to be a little bit more clear on what it's going to cost to follow him, uh, the cost of being a disciple. And uh, we talked about that a little bit. We said that if Jesus is worth anything, then Jesus is worth everything. And uh, Jesus is going to be a little bit more clear with the disciples. Uh, this, is, this is like level two. Okay? If they've been in uh, the level one discipleship up until this point, now they're entering into level two discipleship, and we're going to see that. And the first thing that we, we really see in these next few chapters of Matthew is where Jesus is going to deal with this issue of faith. And we're going to see the connection of following Jesus on a, uh, on a, on a deeper level, on a, a more committed level. We're going to see the connection between that and the need for faith. And, uh, you know, we all know that we need faith. We talk about faith. But what does that actually mean? What does that actually look like on a practical level in our lives? If we're going to follow Jesus, what does it mean to do it by and with Faith. Uh, you know, sometimes we, we can get the wrong idea about what faith is, and we can be like the pastor who was getting some work done on his church, and they were getting some stained glass windows put in, and uh, they were almost done, and the pastor decided, decided to go out and to examine the work and see how it looked, and as he went out, he saw one pane of glass that seemed to be a little out of place, and he said, that looks like it's a little loose. And no sooner had he said that than the piece of glass fell out of the window, came down, and cut one of the workers' ears right off. And, well, this was a, a time of trouble for this worker. And the pastor, realizing that, immediately went back in his mind to that time when Jesus was able to take the ear from the man that had gotten it chopped off by Peter and put it on. And so he said, this is my opportunity to show my great faith. This is my opportunity to show what I am, what I am here for. And so he looked down. And of course, the worker is in agony, is holding his head, and he's holding his ear, and there's blood running all over the place. You didn't come to Sunday school for this. Uh, he picked down, that, or the pastor reached down, and he picked up the ear, and he reached out. And he said, sir, is this your ear? And the worker said, no, mine had a pencil behind it. So that is not the faith that we are looking for. <laughs> Thank you, Jacob. Um, I get my jokes from pastors. So if, if, if I have a problem, that's, that's where it comes from. But uh, we're looking for faith. And, and, and as we look through uh, these first few chapters in Matthew chapter number 14, 15, and 16, we see some people that struggled with their faith first. And so I want to look at that, and then we're going to look at those who triumphed in their faith. So look at Matthew chapter number 14, and look at verse number 1. And the first person that we see who struggles with their faith, or faith to believe and follow Jesus, is Herod. And Herod is the local king of this time, and, and this passage, the beginning of John, or Matthew 14, is talking about John the Baptist 
death. And that's, that's really the, the backstory behind it. But we lose sometimes the context of where it comes from. Uh, we focus on how John the Baptist died, the fact that he was in prison, the fact that Herod, uh, you know, kept him there because he preached against Herod's, uh, his, uh, uh, his uh, marriage to his brother's wife. And uh, then Herod throws a big party and he is so impressed by his wife's daughter who dances for him that he says, I'll give you anything even up to the half of my kingdom. And so this girl and her mother who hated John the Baptist as well said, well, give us John the Baptist's head on a charger. And so Herod, who... Like John, but for his wife and for all of those that were there, decided to take his head and John is executed. But that's not really where that story comes from. Look at John, or where the whole point of that story, I think. Matthew chapter 14, look at verse number one. It says, At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus, and he said unto his servants, This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show themselves forth themselves in him for Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias sake his brother Philip's wife who is now his wife and so the whole point of us learning about John the Baptist's execution which is an important part of the story and we'll, we see results of that later on but the whole point of that is because Herod hears about Jesus but does not operate in faith believing who Jesus is obviously and instead thinks that, that this is John the Baptist come back to life. And so we see Herod struggling with his faith. Uh, look at uh, chapter 16 and look at verse number 1 there. We see throughout these chapters the Pharisees and the scribes struggling with faith. And, and obviously we know that that is something that they struggle with the entire time that Jesus is on earth. But here in chapter 16, verse number 1, we see the Pharisees also came with the Sadducees, with the Sadducees excuse me, came and tempting, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they're continuing to question Jesus and they're trying to catch him in a mistake and they're trying uh, to get him to say something that is going to rile the people up and they're trying to prove that he's not really who he says he is. And it's entirely, if we're to just simplify it, they're operating without faith. They don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is. But the, the example that I want to look at as far as those who struggle with their faith is the disciples. And so look at chapter 14 and look at verse number 14. Matthew 14 and verse number 14. We find that Jesus is here with his disciples. They've heard about John the Baptist being executed, and so they're going to go take some time away. But then Jesus is followed by great multitudes who do have faith. And we'll come back to that in just a second. And they follow him. Well, look at verse number 14. It says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place. The time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. And so we know this story, the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus and his disciples have gone away. The multitudes have followed him. Jesus has compassion as he has before. He's healing them. He's helping them. He's trying to give them what they need. And he does that all day long. And then it's evening time. And at evening time, 
This is not the time, especially since they're in the wilderness, to be going on the roads back to town. This is a time to wait. There are thieves, there are robbers. It's a dangerous time. And so instead of sending them back, Jesus says, hey, fellas, why don't we just camp out here tonight and you feed the people? Well, hold on a second, Jesus. Okay. There are, and we know, 5,000, and we can speculate about how many people that actually meant, but even if we were just say there are 5,000 men and that's it, that's still quite a crowd. And he told the disciples, I want you to feed them all. I want you to take care of it, guys. And they say, well, Jesus, hold on a second. The only, apparently they'd been thinking about their stomachs because they knew relatively quickly, all we got here is five loaves and two fishes. So they've been counting. They've been looking for people they could take lunch from, uh, steal their lunch money. Uh, they knew. And they said, Jesus, this isn't enough. This is not enough, Jesus. And obviously we know the story that Jesus will eventually feed the 5,000. Uh, but the disciples still struggled with their faith. And think about that for a second. These are guys that have been following Jesus for approximately a year, a year and a half at this point. They have heard Jesus give the greatest sermon of all time, the greatest oration of all time, the Sermon on the Mount. They have seen Jesus do multiple and countless miracles in chapters 8 and 9. They have followed Jesus to the point where they've been willing to go out and do the same thing that he has done. And when Jesus said, I want you to feed 5,000, they said, nope, not going to happen. They struggle with their faith. And what's even more amusing to me is that they struggle with their faith in the next chapter about the same exact thing. Look at chapter 15. Look at verse number 32. Same exact scenario happens in the next chapter. And I don't know how long this took. I don't think it was probably the next day. But it wasn't too long after Jesus told them, let's feed 5,000. Because in verse number 32, the Bible says, Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude. My goodness, this broken record. This is deja vu all over again. He says, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. And his disciples say unto him, Whence should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? Again, Jesus is saying, I want to feed these guys. This time, he doesn't even tell them to feed it. They kind of know what's coming. They're like, wait a second, maybe we've heard this before. They say, Jesus, there's no way. They struggle with their faith. And then obviously, probably the greatest example of them struggling their faith takes place at the end of chapter 14. Right after Jesus feeds 5,000 people, multiple, multiple times that, 20,000, 25,000, however many you want to say. But he feeds them with a little boy's lunch, with a... With a Fish stick Happy Meal from McDonald's. Feeds that many people. And right after that, these guys are still having problems with their faith. Uh, look at verse number 23 of chapter 14. Verse number 23 says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. Jesus goes by himself. And when evening was come, he was there alone. So Jesus leaves the disciples at this point after the feeding of the 5,000. He said, guys, you go on ahead. I'll catch up with you. He goes up to pray. Verse 24, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, middle of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And the disciples saw him, looked at it, saw him walking on the sea. They were troubled. They were fearful. They were afraid. 
saying, It is a spirit, they cried out in fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. So right after the disciples have, have seen Jesus take a little boy's lunch and feed, you know, multiple thousands of people to the point where they were full and have 12 baskets of leftovers, then when they see Jesus again coming on the water, they're afraid. They struggle with their faith. Now, it's easy for us to look at these examples of the disciples and, and the scribes and the Pharisees and Herod, obviously. It's easy for us to look at it and say, you guys, how could you? Especially the disciples. I mean, you walk with Jesus, you talk with Jesus, you saw him do miracles, you heard him preach, he, you, you were following him, you've given up everything. How can But man, we've got to take a step back and realize that's us more often than we care to admit. And as we look at the rest of the chapter, see these examples of those who struggle with their faith is contrasted. Jesus shows us examples of those who had great faith. And so let's look at that real quick. Uh, the examples of great faith start, I believe, or at least the first one I want to look at is chapter 15. So look at Matthew chapter 15. Look at verse number 21. Matthew 15 and verse number 21. The Bible says, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. Now, time out, first of all. That's significant. That's not Israel right there. That's not, that's not Judea. That's not Galilee. That's not Samaria. This is, this is Gentile country. Jesus is completely out of where he has normally been serving, normally been ministering. But he goes there, and I think it's on purpose. Because he wants to meet this lady. Just like he needed to go to Samaria to see the woman at the well, he needs to go to Tyre and Sidon to meet this lady. Verse 22, And behold, a woman of Canaan, a Canaanite, a Gentile, came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Verse 23, But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole that very hour. Man, this is a crazy, crazy story here. So let's talk about it for a second. Jesus goes into the Gentile country. He meets this woman. She comes to him and she says, Jesus, first of all, notice what she says about Jesus in verse number 22. She says, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Time out. Is she a Jew? Should she have much context for who Jesus is in relation to the Jewish kingly line? No. Someone has been reading outside of her comfort zone. Someone has been hearing things outside of the norm for her, even for her religion. And she says, I believe that you're that that term Lord. That is not. She doesn't call him master. She doesn't call him rabbi. She doesn't call him teacher. She doesn't call him prophet. She calls him Lord. That's God. She says, you are God. Thou son of David, you are the Messiah. You are the Jews' Messiah. She was a Gentile woman. And so she comes to Jesus and she says, 
Lord, thou son of David, she's asking for help for her daughter who has a demon inside of her. Which, those of you that work with children, you probably can relate. Um, and she comes to Jesus and said, I need you to take care of this. And notice how Jesus responds initially. Man, this is crazy. Verse 23, but he answered her not a word. Was Jesus just ignoring her because he didn't care? Or was Jesus ignoring her to see if she would keep coming? Was Jesus waiting for her to be consistent? Was Jesus waiting for her to be persistent? Was Jesus waiting because he knew that this woman had great faith? And he's going to declare that in just a few moments. He comes to her, or she comes to him, and he doesn't say anything. And it's, she keeps coming to him, and she keeps coming to him. She's persistent about coming to Jesus, to the point where the disciples are like, Jesus, will you just deal with this woman? Send her away! We can't deal with this anymore! And so then, my goodness, this is crazy. Look what Jesus says. He said, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's quoting the scripture. Jesus, the Messiah, was the Jewish Messiah, just like she had said, thou son of David. So he was taking her words and giving them right back to her. I'm sent to the house of Israel. She came and worshipped him. Again, calling him Lord. Look what he says in verse number 26. He says, it's not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Whoa. Whoa. That's some strong language there, Jesus. You calling this lady a dog? What's Jesus doing here? Well, the, the, the term dog for the Jews and to the Gentiles that lived near Jews, that was a cultural reference of the day, a common cultural reference for Jews when they referred to people who were non-Jews. And basically what Jesus is saying is he's throwing the cultural, the societal norm into the mix and saying, well, hold on a second, okay? The norm is that I'm a Jew. I'm the Jews' Messiah. I shouldn't have anything to do with you. Now the ball's in her court. What's she going to do? And again, she responds with great faith. Verse number 27, and she said truth. And again, she says it, Lord, she won't give up on this. She believes that Jesus is God. She believes that Jesus is the Messiah. She believes that Jesus can do something for her. And she says, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Whether Jesus is referring to whether they're having a conversation literally about dogs in the house, or they're talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, she said, Lord, I'm not asking for everything. I'm just asking for some crumbs. I just want a little bit. I just want something. And I believe you can give it to me. And then Jesus responds and he says, Oh, woman, great is thy faith. She responds in faith. She won't give up. She's persistent. Jesus tells about the unjust judge, the woman that comes to him. Oh, and the judge, like the disciple, is like, fine, I'm just going to take care of this. She asks and she seeks and she knocks over and over again. She's persistent. She responds in great faith. She calls him Lord, thou son of David. He, she believed who he was even when it, it wasn't even her religion. You realize that? This is a Canaanitish Gentile woman who probably all her life had worshipped a little tiny God that she kept in her house. But something about what she heard or saw or 
knew about Jesus made her say, no, he's different. He's the one. I believe he's the one. And even when the answer seemed to be no. How many times when we go to Jesus and there's no answer, we say, well, that's it. What if this woman, she had gone and asked Jesus one time for her daughter, Jesus, heal my daughter, and Jesus didn't answer her. He just kind of kept on going. It seemed like he was ignoring her. She turned around and left. Jesus didn't ignore her because he didn't care about her. Jesus didn't say anything because he wanted to see her faith. He wanted to see her great faith. She responded in faith. We see examples of faith here in these chapters. We see this woman respond in faith. We see multitudes responding to faith. In Matthew 14, verse 13, it says, Jesus heard of it. He departed thence by a ship into a desert place apart. When the people had heard thereof, they heard where Jesus was. They followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. Verse number 34, And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent unto him all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as were touched were made perfectly whole. Great multitudes had faith. They believed that Jesus could do something for them. They believed that Jesus, all they had to do was touch. They just had to touch the hem. They didn't, have to, they didn't have to touch him. They didn't have to have him touch them. He didn't have to speak to them. He didn't have to look at them. If they could just touch him, just touch the edge of his jacket, just touch the shoelace, that would have been enough. They had that much faith, the examples of faith. And then probably the, the greatest example of faith that continues on through these chapters is the faith of Peter, the faith of Peter. So look at chapter 14 and look at verse number 24. Verse number four, or chapter 14, verse number 24. Again, going back to that time when Jesus walks on the water. The ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Now, before we get on the disciples again for struggling with their faith in this moment, let's, let's be real here. Okay? This must have been a pretty bad storm. These guys are veteran fishermen who have been on the sea their entire lives. They knew what to do. They knew how to handle it, and yet they feared for their lives in this moment. This was a pretty bad storm. And then on top, when they looked out across the water, they saw something or someone coming towards them where someone or something should not have been. You know, think about it, all right? Earlier this week, we had all that rain. How many of you had to drive when it was really, really bad, okay? When you couldn't see the car in front of you? You, you know that, okay? If, if you're out on, how many of you have ever been on the water in, in something like that? Anybody? Okay, a few of you. Imagine seeing something that looks like somebody coming at you at that point. On the water, not in a boat, not on the land, middle of the sea, on the water. You would be scared too. And if you wouldn't be, or if you're going to tell me you wouldn't be, you're a liar. Uh, and yet, 
So these guys are responding in fear, naturally, as we would expect them. But then look what happens. Straightway, right out. This is the ghost of whoever, the Sea of Galilee, coming to get us. And Jesus said, oh, hold on a minute, guys. As soon as he heard their cry out in fear, he says, hold on, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And then Peter, here we go with Peter, okay? I love Peter. Peter, verse 20, answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. He didn't wait for Jesus to invite him. He said, Lord, if it be thou, if it's you, Jesus, then I should be able to walk on this water too. Verse 29, and he said, come. And when Jesus would come down out of the water, or out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Great faith. Peter said, okay, Jesus, if it's you, I'm going to come out in this water with you. Jesus said, come on out. The water's fine. And he steps out of the boat. And Peter, with great faith, walks on the water. Peter has great faith. Great faith. Maybe. We'll come back to that. Look at verse chapter 16. We see Peter respond in faith again. Chapter 16, look at verse number 13. The Bible says, When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So Jesus is just walking with the disciples, and he says, Hey, guys, who do people say that I am? I'm just curious. And they say, well, you know, some people say that, you know, you're this guy. Some people say you're this person come back from the dead. Some people say you're this prophet or this guy or, you know. But then Jesus comes right back at them. Verse 15, and he say to them, but whom say ye that I am? See, here's the thing. When it comes to faith, when it comes to anything, it does not matter what other people say that Jesus is. It doesn't matter who your parents, it doesn't matter who your teacher, it doesn't matter who your spiritual guide, it doesn't matter who I or a pastor or anybody else says that God is. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that Jesus is? And for the disciples who were following Jesus, Jesus said it doesn't matter who other people say. Jesus kind of set them up. It doesn't matter what the scribes of the Pharisees say. It doesn't matter who your friends and family say I am. It doesn't matter what the Roman Empire says I am. Who do you say that I am? And Peter again responds in faith. Verse number 16, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Didn't even hesitate. He said, you're Jesus. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. He responds in faith. Now, we're pretty much out of time. So all the practical stuff that we're going to talk about, be back next week. But I just want to finish with this, and I want to give you a thought to think about this week. Okay? Because I think that we see this in these examples that we just talked about, and we see it play out in the rest of the chapter that we haven't gotten to yet. But this one thought, when we respond in faith, God reveals himself to us. When we respond in faith, God reveals himself to us. Now, we'll get into that, exactly what that means and what that looks like next week. But I want you to just think about this idea of faith and following Jesus. Because if you're going to follow Jesus for the rest of your life, and it's going to be more than just a surface following, it's going to be more than just an outside following, it's going to be more than just a following you know, through the end of college or a following while you're here or a following until thus and such point in your life, it's going to be because you have faith. 
there's going to be some faith required. And so we'll get back into that next week and talk about the connection between faith and following. And I promise I won't tell any more jokes. <laughs>